0: They don't make this thing my size, do they? (laughs) (laughs) Um, In a church in my younger days, um, it was the culture to have communion every single Sunday. Um, And it wasn't just that we had communion every single Sunday, it was that a different person from the congregation would get up and talk about communion. But you can imagine, every Sunday, the pressure to say something new and interesting about communion um, started to have some hilarious results. Um, And I remember the pinnacle for me was a guy who got up and told a story about um, someone in Europe who was busy fixing the church roof um, and slipped on the tiles that they were fixing and fell off the church roof but landed on a wandering sheep that was walking past. (laughs) The sheep didn't make it, but it broke his fall. And that's been my favourite. And it led to a, a maybe not so, such a great game in my house called Communion Talk, which we play sometimes over dinner in my earlier days, where someone would give you a random object they could see and you had to spontaneously make a communion talk within the next five minutes. So I feel a little bit like church at Christmas is a bit like that because it's part of the rhythm of our year. And there are things that we talk about and celebrate in the rhythm of the year at Christmas time, which makes me feel a little bit nervous about the fact I didn't draw today's date out um, because I wanted to talk about Christmas. I actually really felt on my heart to talk about the Prince of Peace. Um, And it just so happens that it fell on today. And so I was like, oh, um, it's not going to be very Christmassy. And yet... Uh, Last week, Russ talked about Almighty God. Um, And if you have ever had a Christmas card with Isaiah 9 verse 6 on it, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So there you go. (laughs) Um, And I realised over the last few weeks um, if you've talked to me in the last few weeks, and they're like, hey, Kate, how are you going? You've probably heard me say the, the following few phrases on repeat. Oh, it's very end of year-y. Has anyone heard me say that to you? <laughs> I don't know what I mean by that, um, other than there's something about this time of year that gets a little bit frantic. Um, And family life, the calendar just gets full. And they're all good things and they're all fun things, but it's just a lot. It's a lot. And so I've been saying those things. How are you, Kate? I'm a bit tired. (laughs) I'm a bit weary. I don't think I use that word very often, but I found myself saying it this week. I'm pretty weary. Um, and I'm a bit flaky at the best of times, as you know, pretty forgetful. Um, and the tired I get, the more forgetful I get. And so I found myself this week ringing my mum, not just to say, hi, how are you? But I, just, I rang her and said, was there anything that I was supposed to do for you that I have forgotten and I have no recollection of? <laughs> um, so putting, putting it right back on her. My ability to remember things, I just need to outsource, outsource my life to other people who have more brain power than I do. Um, but as I wandered in last Sunday, the band were practising and it never made the cut and it was probably because of the big high note, there's just too much pressure to hit that high note, um, but they were practising Oh Holy Night, if you know that one. Um, but the lyrics of the verse just sat on me. It's a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And then they go into the high note, which I'm not going to sing for everybody's sake. And so I'm sure it's not just me. It's that this time of year is the stuff of legends. It even makes its way into Hallmark Christmas movies. You know, the standard storyline like overworked parents, rushed, they've lost the spirit of Christmas. Everyone stops believing in Santa and it all gets terrible and then someone twiggles their nose and there's a little bell sound and some kind of Christmas magic happens where everybody's supposed to remember the joy of Christmas. Who's watched one of those in the last week? Who's watched five? <laughs> it's, it's standard. So it's not just us. It's, it's the world, and it's the way the world is. So what, why is the world so weary? Um, and my, my hat off to people who work in retail. If you work in retail or hospitality, we know um, that this is a really busy time for you and for our teachers. I used to say, there is no tired like an end of term for teacher tired. And parents too. We, we know that it feels like that sometimes. Um, and thank you to Richard for your obedience because I'm preaching today out of Isaiah chapter 9 and he didn't know that and he just stand up and read it for you which is great because you also pronounced naphthali for me and I wasn't quite sure how to say it. Now I know. Did I say that right? Okay, good. Sort of. Um, So Isaiah 9, although we'd like to pull out that verse at Christmas time because it talks about the child and the son, the bigger context is that it was a chapter about hope for a better day, when God would send the Messiah and bring about that kingdom that would never end. And it was written to a people who, where things were going from bad to worse for them. That's the context it was into. Assyria was right on their doorstop. Um, um, they were opposing military power. Being occupied, you know, think Ukraine, Russia style. Um, that's what that chapter was about. And so I was curious about the bigger story, so I went back to chapter eight, which before, all the good stuff in chapter nine starts, and chapter nine starts with the word "nevertheless." You know if something starts with "nevertheless," that you need to go back and find out what the problem is so that. You can have the nevertheless part. Um, And it was a pretty strong warning. So we're going to go back to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11 to 22. Indeed, this is what the Lord told me quite forcefully. He warned me not to act like these people. Don't say conspiracy every time these people say the word. Don't be afraid of what scares them. Don't be terrified. I'm going to read this version. The Lord of hosts, him you should hallow. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence to both the houses of Israel as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble. They shall fall and be broken, be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. And I will wait on the Lord, who hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Here I am, and the children whom the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders in Israel, from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards, who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God, should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and the testimony, if they don't speak according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. They will pass through it hard pressed and hungry, and it shall happen when they're hungry that they'll be enraged and curse their king and their god and look upward. They will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. Merry Christmas! (laughs) It's such a specific warning about consulting the world's ways, and not just the world's ways and common sense and all those things, but even consulting the occult or the new age. And the advice, you know, the advice that people were giving to each other in that day is like, why shouldn't you? Go on, go and see what else you can find to solve the way that you feel. And humans have that tendency. We want to control the future. We want certainty, and we act often out of fear and maybe for us in modern day Australia, it's less wizards, Um, but it's more self-help blogs and it's more TikToks and it's more influencers who give us good advice about what we need. Sometimes it's even scientific experts. And verse 12 is clear that the other ways the world offers us comes from a place of fear. And living out of fear is always going to be a trap. it says it leads to being broken. Um, And and it was a fun list, wasn't it? So the other words, hunger, anger, distress, anxiety, dark, and my personal favourite, gloom. (laughs) I don't think we use the word gloom enough at Christmas time. It's not very festive. So it's no wonder that we often only read Isaiah 9. Because... The world's ways will only ever offer temporary solutions to very deep matters of the soul. They are spiritual problems and making these temporary adjustments that the world tells us to make to make things better and right. Like, just, you know, change careers. It's obviously a toxic workplace. You just need a new diet. <laughs> Cancel those friends. Get out of that relationship. That'll fix things. Um, What you need is more work-life balance. You need to get your time management right. Exercise. Exercise will fix it. (laughs) Maybe what you need is a tree change or a sea change. Sometimes you need to change your patterns of behaviour. And people will tell you those temporary adjustments can be transformational, and it will change your life. You know, when I was a high schooler, an early high schooler, um, I wasn't very fashionable, and I decided the thing I needed in my life was a billabong jumper. You know the surf brands? They were all the rage in the 90s, but they were expensive, and so I spent my entire school holidays Washing windows. I used to wash a whole house of windows inside and out for 10 bucks. Took me all day. And I was very particular. Um, But I would do that and I would... I've told you about stone carding, how we walked behind and through stones over summer. I would feed calves. I would do all the farm jobs, anything I could do to earn a couple of bucks and I would add it all up and I would get to my $50 or so that a billabong jumper was. I remember buying my first surf brand jumper. And I remember getting it home... Core memory, this is a really unusual thing. Getting it out of the bag, laying it out on my bed, so happy, and then go and laughing out loud to myself because I realised it didn't make me any happier. It was warmer than the jumper I had, so I was glad to have it, but I was like, wow, I'm actually shocked that this didn't fix me. (laughs) I know, Kate's revelations, amazing. (laughs) And none of these things are bad, by the way. It says everything good is a gift from the Father. He's a creative God. We live in a wonderful world. But those small adjustments and those gifts from God are peddled as the antidote to a weary soul. And it just won't cut it. It just won't cut it. You need Jesus. Only Jesus can do that. And some of those words that Chapter 8 used to describe the results of using the world's ways to try and settle your heart, um, some of, they're, they're pretty harsh words. You know, one of them is distress. And we know that anxiety as a whole in our society is on the rise. It talks about hunger. Maybe not physical hunger all the time for us, but always needing more and never being satisfied. Does that sound familiar? If you look at the fashion industry, technology, built-in obsolescence, which means you have to have the new one because it's got more memory than the old one, even if the old one's not broken. Social media, you have to have fresher content, you have to have more likes, you have to have more followers. So feeling like there's always lack and never enough, that's a sign of hunger, maybe not physical hunger, but still... There's not enough there. And it's a really tough way to live life. It can't lead anywhere good to feel constant dissatisfaction. But our world is set up for us to feel constant dissatisfaction because that's the way people sell us things. (laughs) It uses the word um, roaming, an unsettledness that can't be explained. What about enraged? Did you see that one? Anger simmering just below the surface all the time and popping out on your nearest and dearest. So feeling like things are unfair. Um, And even feeling angry at God or angry at the king, it says, which might be the government, um, just because things feel angsty in your inner life. And my favourite, gloom, (laughs) which is always seeing the negative around you. It says, they look out over the world and feel gloom. Maybe you know people like that. Um, certainly the newspapers live in that space (laughs) but only God can provide eternal solutions to eternal problems and you are an eternal being all human beings are we are spiritual beings and our western cultures probably more than other cultures but our western culture especially ignores the fact that we're spiritual beings and tries to offer these temporary solutions on how to fix the way you feel And the end result of that is a society that is just constantly moving, constantly striving all the time. Um, And without Jesus, it just makes your soul weary because the narrative is you're never enough. You don't have enough. And if that's the core belief, that there's not enough, that you're not enough, you will always be doing something to fix it. And it can be so tiring to our soul. You think about our culture. You have to have more stuff. You have to have the newest, you have to have the best, and you have to have the thing that's on trend right now. You have to be more attractive, by the way. You have to be fitter, uh, more tanned, clearer skin. Don't forget to get your nails done. (laughs) And, you know, when I, when I was younger, no one ever talked about eyebrows. <laughs> you know, now there's whole stores and whole YouTube channels dedicated to getting your eyebrows just right. I didn't know it was a thing. So now you have to, there are more things that you have to think about and get right. Keep adding to the list of things that are wrong about you that has to be fixed. It can be so tiring to your soul. You have to be more educated. Reach for the stars. <laughs> And that push that there is to formalise testing and um, formalise education in early childhood because they have to start being brilliant even younger. You have to be more popular. You've got to have the most followers, the most likes. You have to create fresh and funny content all the time. You have to entertain and engage others at all times. You've got to have more friends. You've got to be desirable. You've got to be younger than you are. You have to be more innovative and creative, be famous, and people need to celebrate your brilliant idea. No one has ever thought of this innovative solution that you've come up with before. You get to talk about your brilliant ideas. You've got to have the best reviews. You have to achieve perfection. And don't get me started on the pressure that society puts on parents. Not only are you sleep deprived, But while you're sleep-deprived, you have to be Instagrammable and look amazing while you're doing it. And not only do you have to look good, but while you're parenting, you must do it with such a level of perfection that a whole panel of child experts and child development bigwigs would line up and just clap for how great a parenting job you're doing right now. (laughs) Do you know when Georgie was born, my pop said to me, well, you know, they say, keep them wet at one end, dry at the other, and love them in between. (laughs) how did we get from there in decades to blogs and books and shows on how to do it just right? It's just like bit bit by bit, that kind of pressure can make your soul really weary and take the joy out of things. Now, can I just say, obviously, I don't think education is a bad thing, but I think design or creativity or exercise or fashion or enjoying um, good things in life, are bad things, they're gifts from our Father to be enjoyed. The whole life experience is to be enjoyed. But when you take God out of the picture and put your faith in the things to fix your soul, you you end up disappointed. Um, And so the nevertheless part, chapter 9, nevertheless, this is the space we live in. We live in the chapter 9 part. What a privileged people we are to live in this space in time knowing that we have Jesus. Because like Richard read, we are the people of the light. We are people of hope, joy to the world, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. That's the space that we live in. That's not just a Christmas card. It's not just a Christmas card. It's a deep inner truth. We live with peace to the world. So Isaiah chapter nine, I'm gonna read the whole chunk again. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom For those who were in distress. As when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterwards more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in the Galilee of the Gentiles. It talks about Jesus being in Galilee. To the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. (laughs) The language is a bit tricky. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff on his shoulders and the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandals from the noisy battle, garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and the fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given it. The government will be, government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God's way is the better way. The weight and the darkness of the world's ways, it weighs you down. But Isaiah 9 says no more. We live in a different way. And verse 4 says the yoke that burdened us was shattered. Shattered. So the pressure that our souls feel from living in this world, in the world's ways, shattered. And it talks about the battle gear, The the boots, the noisy battle gear, just being used to stoke the fire because you don't need it anymore. So if you would like to see an end to the ongoing hustle that we feel, if you're feeling a lack of peace, Jesus is for you. He says he will increase our joy and there will be no end to his reign of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Under his rule, that's the promise. You know, in um, a lot of the Bible, the word they use for peace, shalom, um, and the, a good concept of that is total well-being. Total well-being, and still in many um, of the Middle East, that's the standard greeting, like our good yep. shalom. Isn't that beautiful? I hope for total well-being for you. And well-being is such a buzzword at the moment. I use it all the time at work. <laughs> I'm quite a fan of the world well being. But once again, the world's taking these concepts and putting temporary measures in place and trying to offer you peace. Okay, you need some well being, you need workplace well being. How about you do some lunchtime yoga? That will fix you. <laughs> and if you're feeling that pressure and that weariness in your soul, And you try some of these things the world tells you to fix. And it falls short of giving you that inner peace. Sometimes what we do then is just try harder. Okay, well, that diet didn't work. Maybe I'll try this one. Maybe we just try more things. Okay, well, I've put in the diet. Now I need to add some exercise and some work-life balance. (laughs) <laughs> or we just try more things, we add more things. And, or sometimes we just get so discouraged and hopeless that we actually think that we're not capable of change. Um, it's because we can't do it in our own strength. Peace is a supernatural thing. We are the people of hope and light. Only God's kingdom offers eternal peace. And that's the good news. Didn't the angels say, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, you can stop the hustle because peace is not only possible but promised if we belong to God's kingdom. And you know that baby in a manger thing? Well, he was born and then he grew up and said some more words. These were some of the words he said, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me from my gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you can picture a yoke you know the piece of wood that keeps the load on the oxen when they're carrying things uh, but it also keeps them together when there's more than one but in Jesus's day it was also a common phrase that was used. And what it meant was the teachings of a rabbi or a spiritual leader. So you can see the two things. You can see the physical um, idea of the weight of something on your back. But you can also see, okay, it actually meant living under a culture of teachings um, of a spiritual leader. And so Jesus said, if we take his teachings upon our life, we will find rest for our soul. Total well-being. See, we might have even met Jesus, but have not taken his teachings upon our life and still be living without peace. And it's a challenge. It's a real challenge to examine what Jesus said and apply it. And here's some examples. They're not personal, by the way. These are just the things that Jesus speaks to that our culture is at odds with and we are surrounded with and pressure every day. Sabbath. Sabbath society is set up to keep us frantic and busy seven days a week. I was talking to someone just last week about how when I was a kid, Sunday trading was illegal. All of Tasmania used to shut down on Sundays and have a rest day. Are we better for it? Maybe not. Solitude. Being alone in the presence of God. Our society is not set up to be truly alone, because when you're alone, you have your phone. You're not really alone. It's really hard for us to be quiet and alone in God's presence. Generosity. Our society is not really set up for us to give out and have more than enough to give away. They're always trying to get us to spend more than we earn on things. Community. See, the world talks about finding your tribe. You know, things like the popularity of the show Friends, that idea that you find a tight tribe and they're your people. These are my peeps. (laughs) And it becomes a closed group of besties. Um, And that's at odds with the kingdom of God because I can say that community is not friends. Friends. Friends are part of it, but community is multi-generational. So do you walk alongside people who are older than younger than you with intentionality and commitment? It's not just people that you like because they like you back. Community is intentional. Um, And it's not just for receiving but for giving. And when we only come to community when we feel like it, we miss out. And that's Jesus' way. All people belong, and when all people belong and we do community, it shows that everybody is healthier for it. Shalom. Um, I've been watching this week on the ABC, The Old People's Home for Teenagers. Has anyone seen this show? And the idea is um, that they bus in a bunch of teenagers every day for five weeks to um, an old age home and set them up with activities and hangouts and stuff to do together, and the results were incredible. The well being of the elderly and the teenagers improved without anything else by so many points, they could not believe it. Because the older people found their purpose in mentoring and encouraging, and the young people found someone who would listen to them and be their champion. Um, And it was Jesus' way all along, wasn't it? That we were to be family, but the world tells you you only need a tribe. You just need your besties and you can cancel everyone else who's not like you. And we are poorer for it. Jesus' yoke, his teachings talk about service, contributing with purpose to the greater good, with your presence, with your gifts, with your talents, um, and it again, reaching out brings us greater peace and well-being. It just does. And so when we try and do things the world's ways, it attacks our peace. And when we take Jesus' teachings upon us with purpose, knowing that he's the king of kings, supernaturally, he's the prince of peace and it comes. So I realised this is the weirdest Christmas message ever. <laughs> but be encouraged that peace on, peace on earth is here because it's a person. You don't have to find it by working really hard and making those small adjustments in your life. Rest for your souls is here, but it's in Jesus and coming under his yoke and his teaching in his kingdom, being in the kingdom of the Prince of Peace will bring us peace. So we can exit, and it's a weird time of year to talk about this because we're all living under the same pressures that December brings, Um, and it's always a reflective time of year to get to the end and look back at all the things that have happened. But if you've never considered Jesus before, it's always the right time. You're only ever one sincere prayer away from his presence in your life, from being back in relationship with him. And he's the one who brings peace. And it's always an open invitation. You can say, Jesus, I don't even know that much about you, but I know that I need you. Um, And that will start your journey from right there. Or maybe you do know Jesus, but you are soul weary. Um, And that's a time to reflect, isn't it? Am I soul weary because I've been worn down by the ways of the world and I've started to adopt some of those cultures and do I need to come back under the yoke of his teaching? Am I trying to do things in my own strength instead of taking on his yoke um, where it's easy and there's rest for your souls? Or maybe you do know Jesus and you have known peace, but you are just getting slammed by the circumstances of life right now, that there are just big life things that there are challenges and loss and you know um, that you have Jesus but you just need a fresh touch from him. You just need something supernatural of his peace because it's not a peace that would normally be in that circumstance but because you have Jesus, you've got the opportunity to have supernatural peace anyway because he is enough and you you will find rest for your soul. Um, So I'm just going to get the musicians to come back up. Because there is an opportunity um, to pray for each other, for those who feel soul-weary. And you know that you're just feeling run down um, and a bit gloomy, maybe. (laughs) Or you're in that circumstance where the circumstances, the situations of life are just more challenging right now than they have been at other times of your life. And you know that it's a supernatural touch from the Prince of Peace and the Holy Spirit that you need.